Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. We started a brand new series called Clean last week. If you didn't hear a last week's sermon, you can go to calvary.online and go there. The message is up, and I really encourage you to do that because we, we actually shared a message on the first uh, four verses of, of, of Matthew chapter 8. This is right after Jesus comes down uh, the mountain from preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so this is the, the immediately following that, that amazing experience. Now, we titled this clean from a, a, a statement that the leper makes. And the, the leper makes this statement about Jesus to Jesus. He says this, you can make me clean. It is a great statement of faith that Jesus, the Son of God, can make him clean. Now, he was suffering with leprosy. And, uh, I, and, and we talked at length uh, last week about the leprosy effect, how leprosy and sin are very similar, and it has an effect on us spiritually. If you didn't get to hear that message, please go back and listen to it online. But many of us, when we hear the word uh, clean, we just think in very practical terms. I heard about this mom. She had you know, several kids at home, and, and she came home uh, from work, unlocked the door, and, and, and she couldn't believe it. She looked around. The kitchen was clean. She goes and checks on the kids. They're in their bedrooms. Their bedrooms were clean. And she's like, she goes, oh, I got it. Internet's out, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes that's just it. We're so distracted in our lives. We're like, you know what? Um, maybe maybe we, we don't need to deal with uh, the things that are out of order in our life. I know sometimes what we do as people, so we feel bad feel better about the disorder that's in our life, we go and turn on the television and watch an episode of Hoarders, okay? And you're like, well, I'm not as bad as those weirdos, okay? So my house is pretty clean. <laughs> but you know what we do is, is many times we just, we are comparing a level of, of disorder and dysfunction and, uh, and, and really, uh, I, I don't want us to, to, to come to church to think, you know, that we're going to preach just, you know, some old statements like cleanliness is next to godliness. That's, that, that's just, by the way, that's not in the Bible. You should know that. That is not in the Bible. That's not, that, that's just a statement that, that, you know, that was made and that many people think is in the Bible. It's not. Um, I, want you to, I want you to understand that we're not talking about physical cleaning. We're talking about a spiritual cleansing that comes from Christ. And when the leper made this statement, you can make me clean, that was all about a personal cleansing. But the story that we're going to look at today is not about a personal cleansing. It's about us carrying the same power that can make another clean. Today, I'm going to share with you a message called a servant's breakthrough. A servant's breakthrough. And it's from Matthew chapter 8, and we'll begin in verse 5. Many of you have probably read this passage before. 
And it starts this way. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tor tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Th the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Say, hallelujah, touch your neighbor and say, that's me. That's us. We're the Gentiles, okay? We're part of the many that will come. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Today, I, I really want us to look at this passage from this perspective, that you and I carry with us as sons and daughters of God, those who have been born again, that we carry with us a responsibility to not only receive liberty, but to bring liberty and breakthrough to other people. I know uh, uh, oftentimes that when we come to church, we have one prayer, Lord, fix me. I, I just, I can't even think about anybody else. Just fix me. But I want you to tell, I want to, I want to just share with you a little different perspective. Everything that God does in the kingdom isn't just about you. And many of the gifts and the promises and the great things that God does in your life is so that he can get it through your life to other people. See, there is one thing in this story uh, sometimes the titles throw us off. You know, it says many titles, or many Bibles title it this way, would say this would be the centurion's faith. And by the way, we certainly want to have the centurion's faith. But how many of you know the person that was most excited in this story was the one who was not a part of the interaction? He was just the one that this prayer and this moment of interaction with Jesus was all about. The servant who gets healed by God, who gets touched by God, must have gotten up and begin to celebrate that same hour. Now, you and I have an assignment to carry the grace of God and the power of God in a meaningful way so that others receive breakthrough. And there is something in the centurion's pursuit that you and I uh, can grab a hold of that will lead to the deliverance of others. And when you want to see Jesus touch the lives of other people, we need the building blocks of this miracle in our lives. So the first thing that I want us to look at from Matthew chapter 8 concerning the centurion's pursuit is that it revealed first the power of proximity. The power of proximity. Verse 5, Matthew 8 says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Notice that word, pleading with him. It's a powerful word. 
Jesus has now come to Capernaum. This is on, on the very northern end of Galilee. It's right next to the Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's just this tiny little town where Jesus would do many of his miracles. And this centurion comes pleading. This word pleading is a very interesting word. It's actually uh, parakaleo. Parakaleo means this. It means to call from close beside. It means to call from close beside. This is actually uh, very close in, in nature to another Greek word, which is parakletos. And the parakletos is the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He is, he is the one called alongside in close proximity who helps us. So the beautiful revelation of this moment that the centurion is having with Jesus is that he is pleading with him. He, is, he gets near to Jesus so that he can walk like the Holy Spirit walks in this world. This is a great view of what the Holy Spirit does, actually. That when the Holy Spirit moves in, he comes to those who were once paralyzed in sin and raises them up in newness of life. That's why he is called alongside to help. But you and I need to see that our proximity to Jesus matters. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Your devotional life with God matters. The time that you spend with him, it matters. I, I, I just, I, I, there is something uh, that when you spend time with God, just like the, the disciples when they were speaking in the book of Acts, it said they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something that had drastically transformed who they were. Why? Because they got close to Jesus. And when you get close to Jesus, you can call out to him. Isaiah uh, 55 verse 6, it says it this way. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You see, when you walk with him and talk with him, it unlocks the possibilities of miracles. You just get around him and you become like him. It's in these moments where our prayer life isn't just about our petitions. It's more about our position. It's just saying, Jesus, just make me more like you. I want to carry on my life what was resting on yours. And when you get close to God, it unlocks the possibilities of miracles. But I, I do want to say this. While I, I fully and wholeheartedly believe what James has told us, that when we draw near to God, many of you could finish the scripture, right? He will draw near to you. How many of you are grateful for that? Some of you said, I feel far away from God. Let's just stand on one promise today. I feel far away from God. You want to know how to get closer to God? Get on your knees and just say, God, I'm drawing close to you. I'm coming close to you. 
I want to be like you. I want to be near you. Here's the promise of God's word. He's coming close to you. And there is power on your life when you just get close to God. When you say, God, I'm just going to go get in your presence. Now, the great promise of God's word and the great power in proximity is actually not related to your willpower. It's actually related to his willingness. Here's what, I, here's what you need to see in verse 5. It says, when Jesus came to Capernaum. It's not when the centurion traveled sea, traversed mountains, and finally found Jesus when he was so far away. By the way, that's what religion tells you you have to do in order to reach God. Oh, you've got to do a lot of stuff. But here's what, here's what the goodness of God says. It's, it, it, and here's what Christianity is about. It's not man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. And there is power in knowing this truth. We should never underestimate the power of being close to Jesus. But this is not only based on our commitment to him, but his commitment to us. Jesus came to Capernaum, and this was the place where the Romans had placed the centurion. This was his assignment. This was his post. He wasn't leaving from this area. And listen to what Jesus has said to us. No matter where you find yourself in life, Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, when you walk around with the knowledge that Jesus is with me, everything looks different. But when you walk around more aware of the lie that Jesus has left you, that Jesus is somewhere afar off. That he's not interested in you. That you've gone too far and you've done too much. You'll live less than what God is offering. And what God wants to release through your life. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And for those of you who feel compelled to preach the gospel, listen to this. Matthew 28, 18 and Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, look at these words, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's saying, listen, I am committed to staying in close proximity to you. I know a lot of us, we get a little nervous when we, you know, we hear those testimonies of, of, of bold brothers and sisters. They just walk up to people and say, hey, go talk to those girls. And then two people get, get born again. That's an amazing testimony. But have you ever been on the other side of that? You just walk up to them and say, hey, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. Get away from me. You know, and we, 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 we've been on both sides of that. Well, God bless you. I just want to tell you God loves you. And then you move on. I, 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 I just want to tell you. Jesus said, whether it goes well or whether it doesn't, I'm with you. And you need to learn that as a person who is going out seeking someone else's breakthrough, that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. That's why your prayer time matters. It's not for him. 
It's for you. It's for us. That we would be more aware of his presence. That we would be more in tune with his voice. That we would be more, uh, just, just say, cooperative with the will of the Spirit in moment-by-moment moment opportunities. There is power in proximity. You say, well, what do I do when Jesus is close? And there's an opportunity. Hebrews 4 tells us. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You say, what do I do? When I, when I understand the power of proximity, how do I take advantage of that? How do, how do I use that to my benefit? I just go before the throne of grace. I come before God in prayer. Can I just tell you what's happening around the throne of grace right now and has been happening since endless eternity? Angels are circling around the throne. They are shouting night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There are elders gathered around the throne and they are saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Can I just tell you, and that in the middle of the concert of the praise of heaven, there is, there's a time of prayer when you and I show up before that throne and there we are in close proximity to God and we simply cry out to him. And then he answers, and we receive grace and help. That's what happens. And this centurion knew, all I need to do, I need to get close to Jesus. Because he's chosen to come close to me. I pray that you would hear that today. That as you feel and sense the drawing power of the Holy Spirit in this room, and that you would respond like the centurion did, come and experience the power of proximity and God will begin to use you. The second thing that we can learn about the centurion's pursuit is the power of passion. The power of passion. It says the centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Let me put it this way. Simply put, the centurion loved his servant. The centurion loved his servant. And I'm not sure or not if you're aware of this, but Galatians 5, 6 in the New Living Translation says it this way. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. The centurion is celebrated by Jesus himself for his faith. But it wasn't his faith that unlocked the miracle. It was his love for his servant. You see the word passion, it means literally suffering. That's why uh, on Good Friday we celebrate the passion of the Christ. It's not just his fond burning affection. It is that which he is willing to suffer for so he makes adjustments. So when you love someone, you, there is a passion that is awakened inside of you. Um, I'm very aware of this because... A young man came to me this week and asked me for my, my daughter's hand in marriage. 
So, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I know, I know. He's an incredible young man, and he is getting one heck of a young woman. And, um, but I did let him know immediately that the Barnetts do not do returns, okay? We don't do returns, okay? So, one and done. So, that's it. Um, but, you know, here this young man has, 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 got, got so moved by love that he actually went out and uh, he collected 24 diamonds from his family members and aunts and grandmothers and moms. And they, they took all of these rings and they took out all of these diamonds and they were the small diamond. But then there was this one diamond in the middle of the ring that cost him personally a lot. A lot. That's all I'm going to say about that. And, and, and I want you to understand that love, real love, it's always going to come with self-sacrifice. And here, this centurion, he demonstrates his love for his servant. You see, you, you see centurions, when you signed up for the Roman army, here's what you said. I'm enlisting for 20 years, and I'm agreeing that I will have no legal family. 20 years, no legal family. The closest thing he could have to a family was a servant. And this centurion demonstrated a love that was so self-sacrificing. You say, how did he demonstrate love? This, let me, uh, let, me, let me put it to you a couple of different ways. The centurion's love caused him to be subject to one of his subjects. The centurion was actually ruling over Capernaum. He made sure that Roman culture was going forward, that law and order was in order. But here's what he did. He, because of love for his servant, became subject to one of his subjects. He went low. He humbled himself. He said, listen, I am coming to you. He even says it this way. He says, I love my servant so much. You are, I'm not worthy that you would come in my house. Can you imagine that the leader of the area, those who are in authority, would ever say that to a subject? Here's why he said it, because of love. Love will cause us to walk in a humility that unlocks miracles for other people. The centurion also knew the pain of his servant. It said that what he mentioned to Christ is that he was paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. When you look at that in the Greek, it means this. He is in constant pain. And anyone who has ever experienced constant pain knows how tormenting that is. And he comes and he announces the condition. Why? Because he has cared for his servant while his servant has been in that condition. He has loved him in that condition. And love, listen, it doesn't turn a blind eye to the condition of the people that are around us. Love looks fully at what's going on. We don't just walk by people who are suffering and who are without God and say, oh, well, too bad for them. I've got Jesus. 
No, love looks at them and sees them as dreadfully tormented. But then, then love moves the centurion into action on behalf of the one who's in pain. The one who is paralyzed. And that's what you and I need to see today is that, is that not only does God want to make us personally clean, he wants us to be used as his vessel to carry his cleansing power to those who are paralyzed, who are dreadfully tormented, who perhaps today are considering suicide, who maybe today are bound in addiction to meth, but tomorrow if we would carry the goodness and the, the mercy and the grace of God... Tomorrow they become preachers of the kingdom. We're not going to let love motivate us. And the warning of the scriptures, not the promise, the warning of the scriptures is that in the last day, the love of many will grow cold. And we see our faith only works by love. And church, if, if our love grows cold, then our, our faith levels will recede. Let me put it to you this way. You will never reach a people you don't love. It's just not going to happen. You will never reach a people you don't love. Let me say it another way. You'll never reach a city you don't love. Let me say it another way, since I'm just stepping into people's business this morning. You'll never reach a county you don't love. I think I've said this before, but it bears repeating. If you keep cursing your promised land, it will remain a desert. If you keep cursing Citrus County like it's your desert, when God has called it your promised land, it will remain your desert. And you will never reach the people of this county that God has called you to reach. Why? Because you don't love them. You don't love this place. You're like Jonah. Find me a boat. I'm out of here. You tried it. And a fish brought you back. And here you are. You're like, I can't get away from this place. I know, you know why? Because God loves this place. He wants you to love this place. And he wants to bring an awakening to this place. But he, we've got to begin to understand the power of passion and the power of love that will lead us to carry his goodness to them who are paralyzed and in great pain without him. You'll never reach a people you don't love. And many times, the only time that we hear this passage is at weddings, which I happen to be thinking about a lot this week. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I know if you've been calling your boss an idiot and like they'll never come to Christ and they'll never treat me differently or my family's always going to be broken and, and this situation I'm facing, my marriage is falling apart. Here's good news from verse 8. Love never fails. 
never fails. Man, I could blow your minds with stories of demonic deliverance where I applied this verse and people got set free from manifesting demons because you loved them. You may be like, that scares me. You don't have to be scared of demons. They're like the neighbor's dog in your yard that shouldn't be there. What do you do when the neighbor's dog comes into your yard? Get out! Get out of here! <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you speak with a little more humility than that. But you just say, you know what? In Jesus' name. And when, when a demonic force is coming against the people that you love, what do you do in love? Get out of here. Get out of here. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus, which is above every name. Love never fails. If you're not seeing breakthrough in the areas that you want to see breakthrough, check your love level. Oh, this is so good. Church, listen to me. This is so good. And I've got good news. If you're like, yeah, I know it. I'm terrible at loving Good news, this isn't an issue of your willpower. It's about making yourself available for his power because love is a fruit of the spirit, not a fruit of you. I've seen your kind of love. It comes with strings. His kind of love comes no strings attached. And it comes when he comes in the person of the Holy Spirit. You just have to get back close to him, the power of proximity, and you say, Jesus, fill me with your love so that I can release your love. And then what am I going to see? It never fails. Jesus showed the riskiest maneuver of love ever when he was naked on a cross saying, I'll demonstrate my love this way and if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. That's the power of passion. And if you and I will learn to love selflessly the way Christ demonstrated to us on the cross, then we will see other people get their breakthroughs up close and personal. The last thing that we can learn from the centurion's pursuit is simply this. It's the power of profession. It's the power of profession. Today, you witnessed six people getting baptized, and Pastor Dylan spoke these words over the people. It is, based upon your profession of faith, now, sometimes we hear words in religious environments and we just accept them and we don't really know what they mean. But when I put the word profession up on the screen, you immediately think professional, like it has something to do with work. But the word profession, biblically, it means this, to own publicly or to publicly announce. You say, what was the, the centurion's profession? It was simply this, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, verse eight, but, here it is, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Can you imagine? 
Here he is in front of all of the people that he's trying to keep in order. And the bold statement he makes is, just speak a word and he'll be healed. Where did he learn that? Where did he hear that? Probably has never seen it demonstrated before at this point in Jesus' ministry. He just understands something by the Spirit. That sometimes when you're in close proximity to Jesus and you're moved by love, you need to say something publicly. This is the part that you and I, like we're a little bit timid of. We're like, uh, yeah, I think Jesus wants me to pray for this person to be healed, but uh, I don't know what to do here. I feel a little weird. And what, here's what we think. We're really good at thinking about what if it doesn't work out. We're really good at that. What if they get offended if I preach the gospel to them? Man, what if they don't like me after this? I, can I just just ask you to do this when you're making a profession when you're stepping out and saying what God is saying would you please dream with God about the possibility of people actually receiving Christ people actually being healed people actually being transformed by Christ you know I know that you're gonna say well I'm a glass half full well get the pitcher and fill up with the Holy Spirit and get his mind and his heart and fill your cup up till it overflows okay till you're thinking like he's thinking and start dreaming with him. Just start seeing wheelchairs as permission. And casts as invitations. We need to make some bold statements. He says, but only speak a word. Now, uh, he was right. And it could be that he was right next to the synagogue and he's heard them sing their songs, right? Psalm 107. They, they, they must have sung this, verse 19 to 20. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What did he do? He sent his word. He spoke a word. Let me just put it to you another way. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Just a few verses later, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you this way. God the Father sent his Son, the Word, and healed all who would believe in him. He sent his Word. And you and I need the faith that the centurion had, and in his pursuit of God, to know that Jesus just speak a word. And they'll be delivered. You see, there's power in the spoken word. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11 says it this way. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and doesn't return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, and it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper. Do you see this? It will prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. Here's a wonderful truth that you and I need to lay hold of if we're going to be the people that God uses to see servants set free. That his word on our lips is just as powerful 
as his word on his lips. Matter of fact, there was one time God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, you speak to the valley of dry bones and command them to live. Why didn't God just say, I'll, I'll take care of this. Bones, come together. Why? Here's why. Because God's always looking for a man or a woman to cooperate with him to demonstrate his goodness and his power that will flow through redeemed sons and daughters. And if you and I want to be the kind of people that see other people set free, then we need to understand the power of profession. You see, when we walk in the power of profession, we close the door on unbelief. You and I need to close the door on what if it doesn't happen and open a door about what if it does. I'm just going to share the gospel. I'm just going to be bold. I'm just going to release the word of healing. I'm going to release that encouragement. I'm going to say what the Lord is telling me to say. I was praying for some dear folks in a meeting. And the Lord showed me a picture of some rims to a car. And they were very ornate. I'm like, I'm praying for these people. Why are you showing me rims, God? I didn't know. Praying for these people. And I'm like, okay, God, I guess you want me to say this. And I started to say, I said, well, I think that the Lord is telling me that you see the beauty in common places. You see beauty in common places. And, he, and he's talking to me about these rims. And I said, and they're, they're kind of an interesting design on the rims. Matter of fact, it kind of looked paisley to me. It's a very long story. And I said, but the Lord showed me that these rims are kind of silver, and uh, I don't know why I know this, but the Lord you know, just wants me to tell you, that, and they go on a Ford. This man looked at me, color left his face. He pulls up his phone, and he shows me the rims that he has ordered for a Ford that he's restoring that are already in the mail. You say, why does God do that? Because he can, I don't know. Just so people will, would, would be, it, it, you know what that teaches us? To be bold in our profession of what the Lord is telling us to say. That we can be bold in the proclamation of the gospel. Why? It works. It works. We can say what God has said. Why? It works. And we need to not only believe it and amen it in the church. We need to take it outside, which is what a profession is, and own it publicly. And when we own it publicly, those who are paralyzed and dreadfully tormented and maybe today under the influence of a suicidal spirit will get set free if we would dare to engage in the centurion's pursuit that got close, that got full of love, and that boldly said, I'm going to say what I know is true about God. We need to stop giving ourselves circumstantial off-ramps to soothe our feelings. And that's a good word for somebody. Just say, man, I don't have an off-ramp when it comes to God. Our feelings or even our results never trump the truth of who God is and what he has said. Do you understand that? I am never going to stop praying for the sick. Listen to me, church. I'm never going to stop. Whether the person gets healed or doesn't get healed, I'm never going to stop because my circumstance do not dictate the truth. And there may be an area I still need to grow in. 
But that's not going to stop me from walking in obedience right now. So I'm not, I'm not making room for my feelings to give me excuses about why I can't walk in the promises that God has already promised. Or release the things that God has already said. You may feel like a person is unreachable. Unreachable. But the truth is God reaches the unreachable. You may feel like you're sitting in this room today and your sin is unforgivable. But the truth is God is rich in mercy and abounding in grace. Let me finish by saying this. His word will prosper in you. And his word will prosper through you. He wants to use us. He wants to send us on his behalf to others. With this statement in our heart. Go your way as you have believed so let it be done for you. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. What are you believing for today? What are you holding before the Lord? What person needs God desperately in their life? As you have believed, so let it be done for you.